It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. President Trump addressed the United Nations this week. We discuss his remarks, the continued health care debate, and your feedback. This is Sarah from the left and Beth from the right. You're listening to Paint Two Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to another episode of Pantsuit Politics. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to talk about President Trump's remarks to the United Nations, the Graham-Cassidy healthcare debacle, let's be honest, as it continues <laughs> to unfold, and your feedback on kind of a wide variety of topics. But first... We made our Patreon goal. Oh, I like so your exciting. Oprah voice on that. Yeah, you got to have you got a full is a full Oprah voice moment. I mean, thank you seems so not big enough an expression for this. You know, someone um commented on our Patreon page 
that the proof is in the patrons that we're creating something worth selling here. And while that isn't where we started, we put a level of time and energy into it that makes it so validating to have met this milestone. So we're just really, really grateful. It's so exciting. I mean, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It really changes the game. It opens up so many possibilities for the community and for the podcast, beginning with The Nuanced Life, which we're going to do a little series outside politics, and we're really, really excited about that. And please do continue to support us on Patreon. Sometimes people drop off each month, and we have big dreams and lots of things that we want to do and share, and we really appreciate that. Also, you can hear us on Hellbent podcast this week, and we hope that you'll join us for our little guest stint over there, and then they'll be with us in October. So we wanted to start the show by sending our um, thoughts to Mexico City following the earthquake on September 19th which is, was 7.1 on the Richter scale, and over 200 people have died. And this was following another um, earthquake the week before. So this time, um, I'm sure everyone has been following the story that there was a school, um, and over 30 kids in elementary school that were trapped and killed. And it's truly tragic, and um, the people of Mexico are definitely in our thoughts. I wish there was something um, we could do besides donate money and um, just say that they're in our thoughts. It feels sort of, we feel so powerless in the face of a natural disaster like this when you're far away from people suffering. But we wanted to make sure and say that they're on our minds. And the same thing for people who are continuing to deal with hurricanes and tropical storms. It is a powerless feeling. Since we've talked a little bit about the hurricanes lately, I did a little research and found this interesting article from the Smithsonian Institute that I'll post in our show notes about why Mexico is dealing with so many earthquakes. And I didn't realize that Mexico City sits over this ancient shallow lake that has soils made of sediment. And because of those sediments, the Aztecs decided to build their capital city on an island in the middle of that lake. And that lake sits atop this really complicated juncture of tectonic plates that have been kind of slowly colliding with one another over a million years. And so Mexico City is just in a unique place for what the Smithsonian called seismic catastrophe. Well, and the crazy part, it was the same day, three decades later than another earthquake that had in the same spot. They've had 19 earthquakes that hit over 6.5 within 155 miles of this site in the last century and hundreds more across the country. So this is a problem, much like the hurricanes, that is probably going to get worse with the passage of time, not better. Mm. Up next, Donald Trump. On the next episode of Donald Trump Presidency, Donald Trump takes a trip to the United Nations and calls out Rocket Man. That's how I feel about this. How is that? I think that was accurate, if slightly depressing. Yeah, that's what that was. Yeah, so Donald Trump went to the United Nations, made his first speech as president, called out Kim Jong-un as the rocket man, threatened to destroy North Korea, called out Iran, um, called out Venezuela. Not surprisingly, the speech was written in large part by Stephen Miller, so there was lots of coded references to protecting a nation's culture, which is just nationalistic dog whistling here's a thing that i want to say about this besides it was sort of gross i think what's getting lost is it, it because we all have to pick teams it's well we should put our people first 
and we should make America's priorities a top priority, or we want to protect everybody the world over. Okay. Those are not the only options available to us. And what I've had a couple conversations with people and what I feel like is happening is there's this narrative being created that the only way to put America first is to be isolationist and, you know, and to spend our money here and to take care of people here. That is a, y'all, that is a false dichotomy because the truth is by not engaging with the world, we are absolutely not putting our interests first. By stepping away, from, there is no way to put America first and to protect the interests of America if we are not at the table and if we are alienating all our foreign allies. And I really hate that that's becoming the narrative of speeches like this is that, well, at least he's saying it. At least he's putting us first. No, mm-mm, no. Pissing everybody off and disengaging from the world is not how you put America's interests first. He's also not talking about isolationism. He's alienating our allies, but he's talking about being interventionist in a way mm-hmm. that makes George W. Bush look like a pacifist. So true. If he does what he says he's willing to do in North Korea and Venezuela, that is so far from the idea that we're going to stay out of other people's conflict. I don't I don't know how to communicate if you're buying that narrative from him. And the other thing that I've been thinking about, in addition to what you said, I think, very well is that he is selling this this story to all of us that America keeps getting ripped off, that mm-hmm. we get nothing in exchange for what we do in the world. And that's false, and that's false in a very personal way. Mm-hmm. The way that we, you know, America has built our economy on paper, essentially, not literal paper, but money, financial services, What we get for the setup, the current organization of the world is Walmart and Old Navy, super cheap goods made elsewhere by people who aren't protected from the kind of labor practices that we are here, by people who make almost nothing for their efforts, and so our products cost almost nothing. If you think America is being ripped off, look around at the mountains of stuff that we live on and understand that... We are paying a price for that stuff. It's just not a direct price. And I'm not saying that makes it a good deal either. I think we need to seriously reexamine all of our priorities. But if you think that America's presence throughout the world isn't being economically rewarded in some way, you're just not paying attention. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also think the, um, you know, the sword rattling and the tough guy stances with unstable dictators with their hands on nuclear weapons is so disturbing and he's bluffing (laughs) we all know he's bluffing so i don't know i'm just is he bluffing i hope he is yeah i mean i don't think any i think look steve bannon went to the press and said nobody's gonna sacrifice Seoul, south korea we know we can. So, you know, if Mr. Breitbart Nationalist acknowledges that we're bluffing, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but. I'm really sad that Nikki Haley said that the whole Rocket Man reference worked in some way. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I, I guess it worked for a day. Mm. I, I think that 
we're likely to see another missile test soon. And I think yep. the more bravado that comes out of the United States about this, the more likely they are to continue to ratchet things up. Now, here is a point that I would love your take on. Because here's the May- thing. The, well, let me just say this. The more you try to make him small, the more he's going to use missiles to make himself big. This right, is not right. complicated psychology, y'all. And that's why I fear that, that President Trump isn't bluff buffing either. Yeah. Because um, I could see. And, and so here's what I've been thinking about that I really wanted. Maybe I'm just doing mental gymnastics to find something new to say about this. I was thinking about everything that I've come to learn about Kim Jong-un and his appreciation of American culture in a lot of ways. His admiration for celebrity, the kind of music he grew up liking. I mean, he loves Whitney Houston. I wonder if Donald Trump has in himself and his own celebrity an asset that could be Mm. diplomatically deployed here. Yeah. Is Donald Trump not right in line with Dennis Rodman and Michael Jordan and the other kinds of things that Kim Jong-un really likes? I mean, I just wonder if this isn't a new... Look, this is not a sophisticated thing that I'm saying. I don't feel intellectually great about it. But if it worked Who cares? to take our celebrity president over to North Korea and sit down and get something done, I would so much rather something good come of The Apprentice mm-hmm. than uh, this devolve into nuclear war. Well, and I think about that tweet I saw the other day. Somebody um, put a section of Katie Turry's book where she talks about the physical presence that is Donald Trump and how impactful that is and, like, how he seems bigger than he is and he just has that sort of celebrity impact. That makes me think of that, too. And, you know, like you said, if that's an asset, that's an asset. And use it. Use that asset for something Mm -hmm. good, for goodness sake. Well, so we'll move on now to talk more about Graham Cassidy and the continued healthcare discussions. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash pantsuit. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day. Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. is the deadline for the fiscal year, and this is really Republicans feel their last shot at getting health care done. Now, just a reminder, it's only their last shot because they refuse to do this on a bipartisan basis. Exactly. And when I hear that, just as a little detour, I do wonder if they plan to just twiddle their thumbs after September 30th for like, you know, when you think about we have to get this done by the end of the year, what, what's your plan for 2018 if you mm-hmm. have these tight windows? Anyway, Lindsey Graham is leaning on people to try to get votes for this. He was overheard in an airport on a cell phone talking to the reporters believe John McCain about it. Everyone is watching Lisa Murkowski and kind of giving her a lot of premature grief, I think, about this. I well, don't and don't miss, what he's, don't miss what he said on that call. He said there will be hell to pay for anyone who votes against it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the, you know, the line that people are saying pretty blatantly is just, I think we'll lose in 2018 if we don't repeal Obamacare. (sighs) Well, and Chuck Grassley went to the Des Moines Register and said the same thing. There's 10 things I could start with immediately that are wrong with this bill and it's terrible policy. But man, sometimes it's more important to fulfill a campaign promise than it is to do good health care policy. Really? Is it sometimes more important? Because I don't really think that's true. And I don't understand how you think that fulfilling a campaign promise that harms people and creates bad policy is fulfilling a campaign promise at all. But whatever. The one thing I want to say about Lisa Murkowski before I move on to even more ridiculousness like that is that she has been getting a lot of grief on social media because she has said, I want to talk to Alaskans. I want to talk to the governor. I want to see the numbers. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing your diligence on one of these bills. And I don't think it's I, we should, we just need to wait and see how she votes. You know, she she looked at everything the last time and that is her MO and I just I support Lisa Murkowski. I hope that she ends up being a no vote on this. I'm not going to prematurely trash her for taking a hard look at it. No. I'm not going to upset Lisa Murkowski at all cuz I want her to vote no. So you take as much time as you need, girl, as long as you end up voting no. <laughs> 
People clearly don't understand what's in this legislation, though. I was reading Vox once again went to people to ask the very simple question from a policy standpoint, how does this help America? And once again, as though this were a trick question, got absolutely laughable answers from actual Congress people. I don't understand it. You know what I think these interviews are a reflection of? They're a reflection of how much these guys depend on their freaking staff and how, and you know, that's the thing. That's the reason why there are certain people that I have a great amount of respect for. Rand Paul is one of them who can answer the questions without asking their staff who can say, this is why I don't like it. This is why I do like it. This is my problem with it. And even if you disagree with his answers, at least he can answer the question without like, acting like a doofus and waiting for his staff to tell him the answer. And, like, there's nothing wrong with having good staff supporting you. But come on, guys. You need to have the basic answers. You need to understand the basics. Including the basic of how insurance works. The quote from the Trump administration official about how people want to have insurance for their family but don't care about other people's families. That's the opposite of how insurance works. Insurance is a communal vehicle. Mm. There is no point in insurance If lots of people don't have it. Yeah. If you don't care about other people's families, then just put your money in a savings account. Yes. And and take your chances. Right. Because your insurance only works if other people are paying in. And that's why I think this this sort of federalism federalism argument that they're trying to spin is a really tortured one because innovation at the state level is a difficult thing around insurance, especially when we've already taken so many steps in the direction of nationalizing insurance. Yeah. And I don't think welfare, this whole like, well, that's what they do with welfare. Yeah, y'all. And that has not been great. You have poor people really suffering because state block grants are being used for like how to have a healthy marriage. You know, like that's just, look, that's not a good argument. Sometimes those don't work well at all. The idea that states are foolproof, that states are these foolproof policy vehicles is ludicrous the idea that you know just until the states they never make mistakes really because i'm looking at a pinch of crisis in kentucky that speaks otherwise and look that doesn't mean the federal government is always going to be a superior vehicle either but you have to say something more than states are great yeah when you're talking about something this complicated and your reference to welfare i think is really important senator kennedy of louisiana wants to add a work requirement for medicaid just <sighs> like they did with welfare And I feel like that also fundamentally misunderstands the fact that people who need the Medicaid expansion very often are very, very sick. Yeah. That's why they're not working, not because they're sitting around not wanting to work, but because they're sick. Again, I think that we've lost sight of the fact that under any system, it does not matter what system it is, under any system, There are going to be a number of people in this country with conditions that are so severe that we are all going to share the cost of their medical treatment. Mm -hmm. And that is okay. Yep. Senator Collins, who I continue to love, is still trying to do bipartisan work on this. She and Bill Nelson, a Democrat, have put forward a bill that would create high-risk pools to try to stabilize the Affordable Care Act. Um, That's not getting a lot of reporting because I think people have absolutely no faith that it will move forward. And I think that is a shame. That's I don't know that high risk pools work in the long term, but I think it's worth discussing. 
Well, and also she said no on Graham Cassidy on the record. Her and Paul are the two for sure no votes right now. God bless her. Susan mm. Collins. Come on, Murkowski. So come back to the come back to the cool kids table. <sighs> well, we'll keep you updated as this progresses or devolves. <laughs> so we wanted to get into some feedback. I wanted to clarify some of the things I said during our sexual assault conversation. We had some good conversations on Twitter. And it's so hard when you're talking about this, and um, my brain was not as sharp as it should be when we were um, discussing Brock Turner and some past sexual assault cases. And what I wanted to clarify is that what I was saying is that I think that we can um, speak to the horrendousness of crimes without dehumanizing the people who commit them. And that's just my own personal values. It's not one that I think everybody shares, and that's okay. But um, I don't think, for me personally, it serves anything to turn even people who commit the most horrendous crimes into evil monsters. Um, I think it lets all of us off the hook to ask hard questions about crime and the nature of crime. And, you know, I think part of it is just... For me, where that comes from is I just have to remind myself that everybody started as a baby and nobody was born a rapist. Hitler wasn't born Hitler. I mean, he was, but you know what I mean. And that's not to say that that excuses the behavior, like I said, or that it says that there's there that shared responsibility means that the person um, and the crime they committed is not horrendous. It just means that I think it's very important to carefully distinguish those the act and the person because again i think there's just too much at stake and to just say it's just evil people it's just not to me that's that ends the that ends the conversation and it ends the questioning about um these crimes that really can you know change people's lives forever in people's lives forever and i just don't think that anybody is served by that that's just that's where i was coming from in that conversation we talked with Brandon Harvey about the importance of empathy and how empathy doesn't always make for good policy. Right. And I think that our criminal justice system, as it currently stands, has two undercurrents that aren't serving us well. The first undercurrent is that we always are looking through the lens of empathy for the victim when we set our, our punishments for people. Mm. And it's important to keep the victim in mind, but you can see evidence everywhere that that's not working. Yeah. And that that's leading us to imprison so many more people than we should imprison and and not improve our outcomes. And the second undercurrent that I think is a real source of bad policy is that we can prevent crime always by having stiffer penalties for that crime mm -hmm. and that's not working in our drug laws it's not working in sexual assault i'm not aware of a crime where deterrence has really worked yep. you know the death penalty there's so yeah. many examples of. i this. mean the crime rates are higher in states with the death penalty now look it made me sick to my stomach to have a conversation where we were saying Maybe we've gone a little too far in our treatment of sexual assault cases. For two women to sit here and have that discussion 
that did not feel good in the process, right? That was a really hard conversation. I am sure there are lots of aspects of it that we did not get right. I think we just want to be willing to challenge the way that we look at everything all the time and ask really big, difficult questions about it. And in that sense, if that is what can happen around Title IX, challenge assumptions, ask big questions, try to get to a better outcome accordingly, then that could be a really good thing. I understand that it's hard to have trust that that's what's going to happen. Well, and I think what we were saying is not, I don't think either of us were arguing like, oh, that people like Brock Turner are punished too harshly. No, I thought Mm -mm. he should have gotten more punishment. It's when I say treatment, I mean like the conversation surrounding that. I can say the justice system failed in the Brock Turner case and he should have received a harsher punishment and this crime is too often not treated with the severity um, that it deserves and hold the space for also Brock Turner is not an evil demon. He's a human being. And while his crime was horrendous, we can have a conversation about punishing the crime appropriately, discussing how the victim particularly was treated unfairly, not just in the crime itself, but by the criminal justice system, and talk about, without, with, like I said, without it devolving into he's, he's evil, Throw them, away, throw them, you know, lock them away, throw away the key, the end. Like, I just, I just, I don't, I'm not into that. I don't think it, I don't think it solves anything. I don't think it helps come up with solutions that protect victims. I don't think it even really deals with the inequality towards the victims within our justice system. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, And Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. 
Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. And you can feel that way personally. Yeah. Like if you, if it is helpful or cathartic for you to say he is evil, great, do that. That's not a good foundation for policy. And I think mm-hmm. that's a distinction that we have to recognize a lot. Just like it's not a good, all of the conversation around the health care bill about really personal heartbreaking anecdotes are super important and relevant. And there has to be more in the policymaking discussion than just those most extreme examples. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I think it's always an and, not mm-hmm. a but or an or. Right. And speaking of our conversation about healthcare reform, we were talking about this and we were talking about in a previous um, episode, sort of uh, the acceptable prejudice towards the poor. And Katie sent us a really good message. She said, my husband is fond of saying the poor are the only people whose budgetary decisions are subject to moral evaluation. Can you imagine the scrutiny the deserving poor go through applied to a billionaire or a corporation? Only the rich get to have value neutral money. I thought that was so good. Well, it's true. And I'm worried that the Trump presidency and this whole emphasis on deal making and if I put something in, I need to get a lot out and I need to get more out than I'm putting in is going to reinforce this idea of anyone who gets any kind of assistance or support from the government, the community, all of us, there should be some kind of return for us on that. And listen, like the principles that you bring into a real estate deal or the purchase of a discounted television or whatever are different than the principles that we're talking about when we discuss the people in our society who need the most assistance to simply survive in a livable condition. Erin also emailed us, and she gave us a great suggestion for a show topic on domestic abuse, and we will do that in an upcoming episode. She also asked, in a nuanced fashion, could you have a talk diving into and beyond the question of how do you do it all? I know you've mentioned not having mom guilt, and that is awesome and something I need to work on still. But, for example, what do your husbands do to help? Do you dedicate specific time to work and family? Do you have family nearby that helps out? I would also love to hear your thoughts on me asking this at all. <laughs> and we are we have really different 
situations. So I, I do think this could be an interesting thing to talk about, Sarah. Yeah, definitely. Because I have super flexibility. I have a husband with a flexible schedule. I have Fadley nearby. Um, so, yeah, I'll probably deal with it very differently than you. So we do not live near any family. We moved to this area strictly for my job. My husband's job is one where he works from home and travels. So he always says as long as he's near a highway and an airport, he can work just about anywhere. So his job is pretty flexible. Mine is too and has become more so since I took a step back as I discussed in a previous episode. But we are here kind of on our own. We've surrounded ourselves with um, some really important friends, a caregiver who is so flexible and treats my daughters like an extension of her family and without whom our lives would not work. And so that's really helpful. I don't think it's wrong at all to ask this question. I like the way that Aaron has asked it because sometimes you hear, how do you do it all? And you think like, oh, would you ever ask a guy that, you know? Yeah. But I think it's fair to look at people who have introduced a lot of different things into their lives to say, you know, what's working for you and what's not working for you. And that's an exercise that I'm just sort of constantly working my way through. Well, and that's what I think both of us are really excited to have reached our Patreon goal and to get to dive into some of these topics sort of outside politics, although I would argue a lot of these are political conversations. But like the nuanced life, what we really want to think about is like because all these questions and our answers to them are very driven by our value systems. And that's some like a much deeper conversation than a briefcase. And that's what we hope to get into in that series. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say today is that I think I don't do it all. And and I definitely don't do it all all the time. There are weeks when everything feels out of balance to me where I'm so focused on my work outside of fancy politics or there are weeks that are very fancy politics heavy or there are weeks that are just about the kids and that's okay. And other things go and you have to pick them up again later. My house doesn't look like a Pinterest house. You know, there are lots of things that I would love to do. I have this long list of projects, half of which I'll never get to. And so I think a lot of it is just grace. And this is something that you build your muscles on over time, too. Like my capacity to add things has increased as my children have gotten older. And I don't think that's because of their ages. I think that's because you get practice at being a parent, right? And you learn some more things. When Jane was very young, I struggled to just get dressed every day. And when I had my second child... It wasn't like that at all. I was out and about doing all kinds of things because I had just kind of grown some capacity. And I feel that with the podcast, too. We learn things all the time that help us be more efficient. And so I don't know. I think it's just grace and understanding that we're going to be at different places and different points of our lives. And we can't hold ourselves to standards that are too high and We'll talk more about all of this later. But I wanted to offer that for now. Well, and I think one of my favorite conversations I've had, I wrote about it on the happiest mom at one point. I'll try to find it and put a link in the show notes, which is, you know, I said that when it's with, when you have a second child, everybody, you think, oh, how will I love them as much? But your heart just kind of grows, right? That's what everybody says. Your capacity to love and, and embrace your little babies just keeps growing. And what I tell people is sort of the way I feel about my life is that time has grown for love, for work I really love. Sort of my time has just expanded for work I really love. 
um, because you just find it. You give up other things that just you don't love as much. I don't really watch television like at all. And I used to watch a whole lot of television. And so for a lot of external reasons, just before, beyond my time being more important for other things and other work, like canceling my cable and some other stuff. But, you know, I think that that I see that when I look back at how I used to spend my time and how I spend it now, you just find time when it's something you really, really, really love. And I really, really love Pantsu Politics. And as it's demanded more time, I've just given up things I don't love as much. And I haven't even haven't even missed them. So I think that's part of it, too. It's sort of you just your life expands and contracts in ways when your priorities change. I love that. I also think mental clarity is a huge component because the amount of energy I used to spend worrying about things at work consumed me. Yeah. And as I have stopped that and focused just on completing work mm. and then letting go of it and giving all of my mental capacity to something else. And the same thing with my kids. You know, I, I really don't worry about my kids. I'm If there's a problem with one of my daughters, and as we've discussed, we're having some challenges with attitude and listening and respect right now. I don't worry about it. I'm either in a moment of guiding, coaching, teaching them, or I'm not. And I'm not going to use this the scarce resource of my emotions and thoughts and energy in moments when it doesn't serve me. Right. You know, so I think really getting clear about not just what am I doing with my time, but what am I thinking about? I don't schedule time specifically for um, I want to schedule so many hours with each of my children. I know people who do that and it works well for them. For me, it's more when I show up with them, I want to really show up. And when I show up to do pantsy politics, I want to really show up and not be preoccupied with something else. And when I'm working for the law firm I work for, I want to show up and really be focused on that. And so I get so much more done because my brain and my efforts and my body are all in one place together. So, Aaron, we hope that took a little chunk out of your questions. And, again, we hope to follow up on this on our new series now that we've met our Patreon goal, uh, The Nuanced Life. So look for that. And... Otherwise, if you want to still support the show, listen, Patreon's still going. Y'all can still support the show that way. Uh, you can give us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Follow us on social media at Pantsuit Politics on Twitter and Pantsuit Politics on Instagram and Facebook. We'd like to thank our executive producers, Nicholas, Chad, Leslie, Sabrina, and Tracy. And we'd also like to say, until next week, keep it nuanced, y'all.